Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Ruth chapter 3. And as we spoke on last week, as you know, I shared with, uh, with all of you last week, just, just this, this faith that we have. There's, uh, as we look at our faith, I mean, we see that there's various aspects of our faith. And, and uh, for those of you that weren't here last week, we, we talked in particular about an active faith. And what we're talking about here, it's not like our saving faith. We know that, that when we come to know Christ, it's because of our faith in Him. And this is what we call our saving faith, right? And we also talked about <clears throat> this additional faith that we have, is, which is our lives that are lived out in faith. And then I also talked about this passive faith, right? And it's not this active faith that we're going to talk about. I talked about this passive faith, right? A faith that, that usually is a fearful faith. A, a fearful faith that, that usually is hesitant to step out and to do things. A passive faith is also a faith that sits back and says, you know what? God will take care of it. God's going God's to use somebody. God's going to do it this, through, uh, through through somebody else, so I'm just going to wait and, and allow God to move and, and not to do anything from my end. There's also that waiting faith, right, that I just mentioned, right? Just, just constantly hesitating and just waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and really nothing ever happens, right? Because we're not involved in this. We're not having our input into any of this. And, and this is where we come to this active faith. See, because God wants us to have an active faith. And this active faith, I want to define it so that you know exactly what I'm talking about. This faith will move you to do. It will engage you. Okay? And, and it's something that, 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 that isn't really an act that many people do. It's something that really, that it has to be in us, right? It has to be something that, that, that moves us to act and to engage because we believe in something that we don't see. And we're going to do something that we normally would not do. See, that's what active faith is, right? In, in, in really believing in something that you don't see and, and doing something that you normally wouldn't do. This is what is active faith, and it usually has to do with something that God is asking of you. And as we shared last week, we looked at Hebrews chapter 11. And it listed all of these names, right? And we can, you know, as we talked about them, we talked about just Abel and Enoch and, and we looked at Noah and we looked at Moses and, and we looked at uh, Joshua and we looked at, at, uh, at Rahab. And as we looked at these people, right, they had all this, the same thing in common, which was an act of faith, right? As God was asking them to do something that they normally wouldn't do, that God was asking them to believe in something that, that they didn't see, Right? And this is what this active faith is. I mean, we could look at what, you know, when you look at, at Moses to, to deliver two million people where God said, you know what, I've called you to deliver them. And Moses could have, could have easily ran away, right? He could have said, you know what, this is, <clears throat> excuse me, way too hard for me. And you know what, it's, it's way too much. I, to take two million people out of Egypt, you're crazy. You know, or, or Joshua, as God told him, I want you to march around. Jericho for seven days and I want you to blow your trumpets and I want you to come to a place where you're going to shout and then guess what? I'm going to defeat this, this enemy of ours, this mighty city, this mighty fortified city and it's going to fall apart. I mean, who would, 
say, okay, you know what? I'm going to march around seven days and then I'm going to blow. We're going to blow the horns and then we're going to shout. I mean, this is crazy stuff. But see, Joshua had some, an active faith there, right? He was willing to, to go ahead and believe and to do something that he normally wouldn't do. And see, and this is this active faith that I'm talking about. It's just not our saving faith. It's not our life that is lived by faith. It's much more than that. It becomes an active faith to do something that you normally wouldn't do. And this is what God is looking in us. And understand this, when you practice active faith, it releases the power of God. It releases the might of God. And this is what's so amazing about this, right? Because we see how God moved powerfully in every single person that is listed there in the hall of faith. And he moved powerfully because they were willing to walk out and exercise this active faith. And see, and this is for us today. It's not just for them. Active faith. God will show himself strong through anyone that practices active faith. And so as we see, as we talked about last week, that, you know what, as we looked at Hebrews 11 too, how all of them, all of these elders that I just mentioned, how they obtained a good testimony. And this is what happens to us. You know, there's a testimony that, 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 that is set before us, right? That people will always remember and they'll always say, you know what, I knew of this crazy guy that, that had a calling to go to La Puente. And, and you know what, and he was in La Puente and he was traveling from house to house is what he talked about. And all of a sudden, he, the Lord put it upon his heart to plant a church and, and this is where we're at now. This becomes a testimony, right? And this is a testimony that we all receive when we practice active faith. It's not just for the pastor, because when I exercised that faith, I wasn't a pastor. And so let us re be reminded that active faith is not just for the leaders. It's for all of us. And when we exercise active faith, God shows himself to be powerful. God shows himself to be mighty. And this is the testimony that we have. See, in these last days, I want you to know one thing. God wants to move powerfully. God wants people to exercise an active faith. We are living in the last days. The Lord is coming back soon. The signs are there. It's being spelled out for us. And if you can't see it, then your, your eyes are blinded spiritually. See, God is coming back soon. And for us, this is what He wants us to do. In these last days, He wants us to be willing to act and to do things that are out of the ordinary. And as we think about this, right, understand this, that as we see these two women, you're going to be stirred up because there are also going to be testimonies of women today, both Naomi and Ruth, that exercised active faith and God met them where they were and God was going to move powerfully. I want to ask this question of all of us here, and I believe all of us here are, are believers, and if there's not one, then we'll find out at the end, but, but I want you to know this, or I want to ask you this, who here believes that God can do miracles today? The same miracles that were done back in the times of, of these men and women that are listed there in Hebrews 11. Our God hasn't changed the problem is, is that we're the ones that have changed. God wants to do great things. 
He didn't say, you know what, I just want to do great things back then. I want to do great and mighty, mighty things today. I want to do greater things than I did back then. But I need people that are willing to exercise active faith. I want to share this with you. Our missions trip next week. As Dan was reminding all of you that are going to be taking or participating in this missions trip. I truly believe that this missions trip that we're going to is going to be the greatest one that we have ever seen at this church. Did you know what they already told us there in Mexico? Usually they'll tell us, oh, make, you know what, 150 hot dogs for the outreach. Make 300 hot dogs for the outreach. You know what they told Eduardo to bring this time? 800 hot dogs. And Eduardo and I looked at ourselves and we thought, 800 hot dogs? I said, that's going to be the whole town, right? No, I'm kidding. There's a lot more people than this, right? But I thought to myself, you know what? God is already showing us and He's revealing this to us through the missionaries that are down there that God is ready to do a great and a mighty work. And believe me, when we come back, we're going to have amazing testimonies to share with all of you. What we usually do is, you will hear of these testimonies. Because what we do is, after we come back from Mexico, we, we dedicate that Thursday. We dedicate that Thursday to, to speak on the, on the mighty works that God's going to be doing down there. And so you're all going to hear it, for those of you that come Thursday. And you're going to hear from the people that went down there. And you're not just going to hear from me. You're going to hear from them. And so if we believe that God can do great miracles, God will do great miracles. See, if you believe that God is a big God and does great things, then He will do great things in your life. If you put God in a small box and say, God, I don't know, you know what? I believe in you, but I don't know if you can do that. You've already minimized and put God into a box. And how is God going to reveal Himself to you when you don't even trust Him? When you can't even believe that He can do these things? But if you have a mindset that God can do great things, and God can do mighty things, God's not going to disappoint you because He knows that your faith is there. And He's going to reveal this to you, and He's going to show you this. And He will show you time and time again. And so with this, let's go ahead. I don't want to spend a whole study on active faith. If you want to know more about active faith versus passive faith, you can just hear it on the website. Or you can buy a CD for a buck. And you can hear it there. So let's go ahead and read about Ruth and Naomi. And we're going to read all of chapter 3 and then we're going to expound on this chapter. It says here in verse 1. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to Ruth, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young woman you were with, is he not a relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. And you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, All that you say to me, Naomi, this is Ruth, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was cheerful, 
he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am a close relative than I. I'm sorry. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went in to the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, The six ephahs of barley he gave me. For he said to me, Do not go empty, hand it to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. So we, here we have just an amazing story. And I want to share this with you. When you read this, right, you hear Naomi and it sounds like she's, she's meddling, right? And she's telling her daughter to go and, 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 and find Boaz and, and, you know what, lie down at his feet. Make sure that he's asleep and, and uncover his feet and lie down there. I mean, it sounds like, you know, she's playing matchmaker or that she's placing her daughter-in-law at risk, right, to, you know, to go and to do this and... Or you're thinking that, you know what, maybe she's using Naomi, I mean, she's using Ruth, right, her daughter-in-law, to seduce Boaz. I mean, all of these things come to mind. It sounds like, you know what, she's really pushing the envelope, right? It sounds like she's really like, you know what, like, go and make sure you, you, you get them and, and you carouse them and, you know what, and, and you bring them in. Let's hook the fish, right? None of this is what's happening. What Naomi is doing, I want you to understand this, Naomi is exercising active faith. I want you to know this. See, because see, Naomi, understand this. Remember, she was so bitter at God, right? She got to that place of being bitter at God because her father, I mean her husband was, was taken. Remember, her husband was killed. And then what happens after that is her two sons are killed. They're gone. They're dead. And so she becomes bitter. She tells everybody, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitterness. I'm bitter. I'm angry at God. Look at what he's done here, right? And so this was Naomi. But then something happens. 
Ruth comes home. And Ruth begins to share with her mother-in-law that guess what? All of this food that I have was given to me by a man. And guess what his name is? Boaz. And immediately there's a glimmer of hope that happens to Naomi. She has this glimmer of hope because she knows Boaz. He's a relative of her deceased husband. And look at how she responds when she hears this from Ruth chapter 2 verse 20. It says there, Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, after Ruth tells her this, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. See, with the abundance of barley and the fact that, that Ruth met Boaz, Naomi immediately knew that this was the Lord. This was the Lord. And so what you see her asking Ruth to do here in chapter 3 was an active faith. Her faith, again, was stirred up. You know what? It was, just, it was just rekindled. It was just there again, right? As she knew that, God, you're working behind the scenes. And all of a sudden, this man, Boaz, is here. And he has been sent by you to redeem all that was lost. I want you to know what has happened between then and now. And let's go to Ruth, to Ruth chapter 2, verse 23, where it says there, So she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz. This is Ruth. Because her mother-in-law told her, Make sure you do what Boaz tells you. And Boaz told Ruth, I want you to stay with my young women. To glean until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. That is a three-month span. And so what's happened is, is that now Naomi, let's go ahead and read, as Naomi is asking Ruth to do something that is pretty, is not normal, that is pretty crazy, that is pretty far-fetched. And let's read it again. It says here, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that I may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not a relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. And you shall go in and cover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you all that you should do. And she said to her, which is Ruth, all that you say to me, I will do. See, understand this, that when Naomi heard that, that there in, in Ruth chapter 20, that blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. What was happening here is, I want you to understand is that Naomi had realized that God was willing to bless the living, which was Ruth as well as herself. And he was able to bless and not forget and not forsake the dead. See, because remember her sons and her family, her husband, were killed. And I want you to understand this, is that 
is that God, what God does is that He brings blessings through people. And He reveals this through people. See, when Boaz was mentioned, right, because Naomi gives her some crazy instructions, right? But she knows what she's doing. She's trusting in the Lord. She's exercising an active faith. And I want to share this with you because as many of you know, and we talked, I think, about this last week, is that when God was starting this ministry, I remember that I was very discouraged because everywhere where I was going, doors were closing and See, because people were asking me to go to their house to teach them the Bible. And so what ended up happening is that my pastor tells me, you know what, it's time for you to find a place where they can come to you instead of you going to them because you can't go up to all these people. And so I was calling up places. I was calling up the community center. I was calling up the, the senior citizens place. I was calling up locations and places and everybody was shutting their doors. And so... I was very discouraged, right? And I was thinking, you know what? Maybe, Lord, this isn't of you. And so I became discouraged. And so one day I go to church, right? And, and it was at Calvary Chapel, Austin, in the Heights. And there's this pastor from the La Puente Foursquare Church. And he came in that day and he began to teach. And immediately as he was teaching, the Lord had put it upon my heart that this man is the one that I'm using to bless you. He's going to be the one that is going to open a door for you somewhere. And for me, I was battling with the Lord. I was saying, Lord, I don't know if this is you or not. And the Lord was just saying, just do what I'm asking you to do. You go to him and you ask him to help you. See, this was the man that God sent to open a door for this ministry to begin. And I was on Friday nights at his church as he agreed and followed God's will in allowing us to use this church free of rent for about a year and a half. And we were there on Friday nights just teaching the word. And the church be- and the ministry began to grow and began to grow. And see, and so as I saw, as, as he was up there speaking, right? And I was there sitting down just like many of you. I, began, I exercised that active faith, believing what God was saying. And so when... God was telling me that He was going to help me. I was so excited and I went to Him and I told Him exactly that. God has put it upon my heart that you're going to help me find a place. And this is exactly what God did. Just like with Boaz. See, when when Naomi heard the name of Boaz, it stirred her up. And she had this glimmer of hope. And I want you to understand this is that The reason she had this glimmer of hope was because she knew that Boaz was be the kinsman redeemer. And I want to talk about this because what does kinsman redeemer mean? You know what? What is the principle of the kinsman redeemer? See, she knew her Bible. Naomi was a teacher of the word. She taught Ruth the Bible. She taught Ruth the word of God. And so what happened here is that she knew this. From Leviticus chapter 25 beginning in verse 23. And this is what it says. The land shall not be sold permanently for the land is mine. This is what God is saying, right? God is telling, telling all of the Jews that, you know what? You're only leasing the land for me. The land is all mine. It doesn't belong to you. For you are strangers and sojourners with me, reminding them that this isn't your final resting place. Just like many of us, remember, let's not get too attached to this world because this this isn't our final resting place. This isn't our home. We're citizens 
of a place called heaven. And that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in the presence of God. And then he goes on to say here in Leviticus, And in all the land of your possession you shall grant redemption of that land. And this is what he means by this. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possessions, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. See, Naomi was believing that God was pouring out the blessings on her as well as on Ruth. And I want to share this with you. Not only was she counting on Boaz to redeem the property that was sold, but also to carry out the family name. See, what was happening here is that she brought both of these together, exercising an active faith in knowing that the law that we just read from Leviticus 25, she combined it with another law that God had given to His people. And this comes from Deuteronomy 25, verse 5. And this is what it says. It says, If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside of the family. Her husband's brother shall go into her, take her as his wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. So what she was thinking here, she was saying in her mind and believing in her heart, not only is Boaz going to redeem the property that was sold, but that my family name would not go into the shadow, I mean, would, would not be extinct, but it would go into eternity. It would not be lost in the shadows of eternity, but it would remain. Because she was expecting and believing that Boaz would marry her daughter to continue the name of her husband and the family. And see, she was exercising this faith. And this is what's so amazing here. See, she was filled with it. She believed it without a doubt. And she knew that when she heard the name of Boaz, that this is what stirred her up. This is what she believed. She said, I know that this is of God. And God is not only going to use Boaz to redeem the property, but also to carry out the family name. And this is why she was willing to tell her daughter-in-law, to go and to meet Boaz where he was. She wasn't telling her to be a floozy. He, she wasn't telling her to, you know, to, to putting her in a dangerous place because she trusted God that he was willing to fulfill his perfect will in this situation. See, when we look at this, right, when we think about the trust that Naomi was placing in God, it was amazing. And I want you to understand What's happening here? Because as we look at this, when we look at, at, at what she tells her in verse 1, she says there, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall not I seek security for you, that I may be well with you? She was talking about her future. She was talking about that, that Boaz would give her the child that she so wanted from her deceased husband, the deceased husband of Ruth. Because by this time, Naomi was too old to bear children. And then she reminds her, Now Boaz, whose young woman you were with, is he not our relative? She is telling her that this is the kinsman redeemer. This is the redeemer that God has sent for us. But I want you also to know one thing about Ruth. Not only was Naomi exercising active faith, 
but so was Ruth. And I want to explain this to you, how Ruth was also exercising active faith. See, remember, active faith is what? It's believing in something that you don't see and doing something that you normally wouldn't do. Active faith moves you to act. Active faith moves you to engage. Active faith moves you to do something. And I want you to know this, that when you look at Ruth, understand this about Ruth. Ruth had an impeccable character. She had an impeccable reputation. Look at what Boaz says about Ruth in Ruth chapter 3 verse 11. We just read this right now. It says, Boaz is saying this to Ruth. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all that you request for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Her reputation, I'm going to share this with you, was jeopardized. But because Ruth also had active faith, she was willing to go and to lie at the feet of a man who had drank alcohol, wine, and was now sleeping. Imagine this. You know what alcohol does to people, right? It stirs them to do what? To, to have sex with one another. This is a drug that it does, right? And so as Boaz is asleep, I mean, Ruth is putting herself in a very dangerous situation. Where Boaz could still be filled with, out, with, the, you know, with the influence of the alcohol. And she could easily get raped. Or something ugly could easily happen. And understand this. Ruth is putting herself in this position to lie down at the feet of this man Boaz. But again, when we look at Ruth, she was exercising what? Active faith. She knew that God would protect her. She was trusting in the Lord. As Ruth was telling her, I'm going to seek, I'm going to seek this, I'm going to seek security for you. And Ruth believed everything that Naomi said. And so what does Naomi tell Ruth to do? Verse 3 tells her, therefore wash yourself and anoint yourself, put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. She wants her to wash herself and anoint herself. In other words, I want you to smell pretty. Not that we're going to manipulate our situation, but I want you to be ready for what's going to happen here. I want you to make sure that you're clean, that, you're, that you smell good, that, that you have your best garment on. Not that they weren't trusting God, but we also need to know that, that you know what, that, that we also got to do our part. For you're about to do something that you would never think that you would do. And then she also tells her thirdly, to go to the threshing floor. Naomi knew that Boaz would be at the threshing floor. And she says, today is the day. And I want to talk about the event that's happening here. Because remember, this is at the end of three months. This is at the end of the, as it says, of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. See, what happens after that, I want you to know, is that there is a celebration that happens at the threshing floor. This is why they had this, you know, this wine. Whether he was drunk or not, we really don't know. But he, it says that he, had, he was drinking. And that he was having a good time. And I want you to understand this, is that what happens at the threshing floor, it's a time of celebration. It's, it's like, hey, you know what, it's time to, to have a celebration after the labor that we've done all these three months. Gathering all the grain, gathering all the wheat harvest and the barley harvest. It's a time of festivity. 
And let me share with you what they do at the threshing floor so that you understand. What happens is that everyone that has their fields, right, that collected barley and harvest, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that collected barley and wheat, what they do is, is they go to the threshing floor. And what this threshing floor is, it's like a big platform. It can be something like this, right? Bigger than this. And what happens is that they go and they beat the grain out of the stalks. And they beat the grain out with these things called flail. And it's spelled F-L-A-I-L. And what this is, this is a wooden staff. And at the end of the wooden staff is an additional wooden stick. And what they do is they hit the stalks with this wooden stick. And so what they're doing is they're, they're, they're winnowing, they're, they're, they're taking the grain out, right? And so what they do is, is they get the grain and, and, and they winnow the grain in the air. And so what, the, what, that, what happens there is that the wind carries off the shaft and the grain falls down. And so what they do after this is they gather all of the grain from the threshing floor and they put it in heaps to be sold or to be stored for a later date, whatever they're going to do with it. But this is how they do, right? This is they gather all the, the stalks, all the grain, and this is what they do. They beat it out and they collect it. And so it's a time of celebration to see and to celebrate the fruit that God has given them. All this that God has given them, the abundant blessing. And so this is now the time that Naomi exercises this active faith. And she tells Ruth to go down there and to uncover his feet and to lie down. And then he's going to tell you what to do. And for Ruth, this was also active faith, right? Not knowing what's going to happen because Boaz could have easily said, you know what, what are you doing here? I thought you were a virtuous woman. You're lying at my feet. You know what, you're, what are you trying to do? You're trying to seduce me? Look at you, you're all dolled up. You're all smelling good. You're all pretty. And you know what? What are you doing? I thought you were virtuous. I don't want a woman like you. This could easily take place, right? So it was also active faith that Ruth was dressing herself with. And as we see this, look at what happens beginning in verse 6. Beginning in verse 6, it says, So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was cheerful. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. The obedience of Ruth is amazing. Is amazing. When you think about this woman, right? She does exactly what she's told to do. She doesn't change up. She doesn't say, oh, you know what? I think my mother-in-law was wrong here. I think, you know what? This is a little dangerous. I'm... I'm not going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way better. No, she does exactly what her mother-in-law says. And you see this obedience, right? And you see how the Lord honors it. And so she tippy-toes into the room. She doesn't want Boaz to see her, right? Then she goes in there softly, you know, and she, and she uncovers his feet, right? He's all knocked out. Who knows if he's snoring or not, but he's out, right? And so she uncovers his feet, and she lies down there. You know... I want you to know one thing. Let's picture ourselves how Naomi is. I mean, how Ruth is here. Imagine the nerves of Ruth, or maybe she was just a woman of great faith that she had no nerves. But I'll tell you this. When God has asked me to do something, I'm going to share this. Even in doing it, I am filled with nerves. 
I am so uneasy about it. You know, not belie- I'm believing what God is asking me to do because I want you to understand how real these things are. Don't think that everybody's a super saint. That everybody's just so right there and that, you know what, that this is no big deal. You know what, I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to walk there and I'm going to do it and God's going to answer. No, inside of us, we're still flesh too and we're worried and we're nervous. I remember when I had to talk to Pastor Marcus. Man, I was, you know what, I was nervous, you know what, and I found myself like, you know what, you know how your voice gets a little, you know, a little like, like, like quirky and like real you know, like it gets high and you're like, you know, you know, this is how we are, right? I mean, we're people, you know, and so, you know what, I remember when I went to, you know, to Hillside and I had to talk to the pastor there too. I'm like, you know what, I just came out and I just said, hey, God is asking me to do this, but inside I'm a wreck and I'm just like, you know what, things are going off and I'm nervous and things are just going crazy within me, but I'm still walking in faith. I'm exercising active faith. And I think many of you can relate to this, right? When you have to approach something or God is asking you to do something and you're just like nervous inside, right? And you're just like all like, you know, what do I say and how do I say it? And, and then you just come out and you just say it by faith. And everything seems to work out. See, even though it's a time of nervousness, God meets us and God understands and, and God sympathizes with us and He still accomplishes His perfect will. And so, He honors our active faith. And he, and he meets us where we're at and He does what needs to get done because He honors our faith. Verse 8 goes on to say, Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself and there a woman was lying at his feet. Imagine this. Something happens at midnight. We don't know what happens, but something wakes him up. He gets startled and he turned himself. Imagine this. He's sleeping, right? Something startles him. He sleeps and then he turns and Whoa! There's a woman there lying at my feet, you know. And I mean, come on, let's, get, let's understand this, right? There's, there's something that is, you know, these people are real people. And it's just like any of us that, you know what, if you've ever woken up to, to somebody lying down next to you, you're like, whoa, what happened here, right? And so this is what happened here. It's like, whoa, who's this person that's lying next to me? He gets startled, right? And look at what happens here. And he said... Who are you? Who are you? He's half asleep. He doesn't recognize her. So look at how Ruth answers. And I love this. So she answers, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing. For you are a close relative. Imagine this. I am your maidservant. Take me under your wing. You are a close relative. You know, when Ruth shares this, I want you to say, know what she's saying. Ruth is not saying that, you know what, I am your future wife. I am who you're going to marry. Ruth just goes out in her humility. And you know what she says? She says, I am your female servant. And then she says, I want you to take me under your wing. And what she's doing here, this is what's so amazing. Because see, when we look at Ruth, chapter 2, verse 12. Look at what Boaz says to Ruth because he was, he was really taken by her faith, by the faith of Ruth. He says here in, in, in verse 12, it says, the Lord, oh, I'm sorry, verse, let's read from verse 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law 
since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know. The Lord repay your, wor- your work, and a full reward be given by you, be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you came, you have come for refuge. And so now you have Ruth saying here in verse 9, To Boaz, take me under your wing. I want you to understand what she's saying here. She is basically saying to Boaz that you are an extension of God's wings. I am here and you are to take me under your wing. And then she goes off by saying that you're a close relative. And you know what she was basically letting him know? We know you're the close relative of Elimelech, Naomi's ex-husband. And basically she was reminding him that you have the right to exercise the kinsman redeemer. You are able to do that. You know, it wasn't that she was cornering him or forcing him to. She was just stepping out in faith, just like I did with Pastor Marcus. God has asked me to ask you to help me. And he's put it upon, your, upon my heart that you're going to help me. That's all that she's doing here. She's just saying, you're the closest relative. I'm here, and you're, and you're going to put me under your wing. I'm your female servant. And as we see this, I want you to understand that she is stepping out in some amazing faith here. Because he could have easily looked at her and said, you know what? Get away from me. He could have easily rejected her. He could have easily said, you know what? You are trying to manipulate me. You're trying to, you know I'm rich. You know I have lots of money. And I'm a catch for you. But he didn't. See, she was just exercising this faith. She was trusting in the Lord. And she was believing that God was going to do a work. And this is what happens with active faith. When you have active faith, the power of God will be revealed. The might of God will meet you where you're at. When you step out in faith and knowing that God is going to do something, God will meet you there. And this is what happens. Look at verse 10. It says, Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. The active faith that was exercised by Ruth, God moved powerfully. God met them, met her where she, was, where she was. God honored her faith, and He moved the heart of Boaz to respond. And I want you to know this. Boaz still had a choice here. But Boaz, being also a man of faith, walking in the will of God, knew exactly what God was calling him to do. And he said, yes, I'm going to do what you are asking me to do, God. Because don't think that we're all puppets to do whatever God wants us to do. We all have a choice. You have a choice in what you do. When God asks you to do something, you can easily decline it. And that's what many people do. This is what that passive faith is. That fearful faith that says, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to exercise that yet. 
This is also that, that faith that just says, you know what? I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I need more confirmation and more and more and more and more and more. And you go years waiting on confirmations. Instead of just stepping out in faith and allowing God to honor your faith. And so as we've been talking about, God rewards active faith. He will meet you, He will reward you, and you will see His power. Understand this, is that God does not disappoint us when you are walking in active faith. I have seen it in my life time and time again. This outreach, just so you know, and I, for those of you that weren't here last week, God put it upon my heart to tell the missionaries in Mexico that we are called to go after the youth. And you know what he said to me? I've been praying for the first church to, for the church to tell us that they have been called for the youth. And I was not going to force a church or tell them to do it, but I waited on God for the church that was ready to step up to what God wanted to do here in Mexico. And now you see this. It happens when, with this church. It happens with different ministries. It happens with different things. We got to be in tune with what God is asking us to do, and we got to exercise active faith. And you will see the power of God moving through your life. I see it happen time and time again. Ruth and Naomi are examples. So you just don't say it's just Pastor Tony. Ruth and Naomi are examples. There are other others here that have exercised the same type of faith, and you see God moving powerfully. And I want to give you some couple of clues that we have here. When you look here in verse 10 where he says, You know what? You have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. I want you to understand this. Boaz was a much older man than Ruth. It could have possibly been his daughter. He was more at the age of Naomi and Elimelech. He was probably, I would say, he probably could have been in his 40s and she would have been somewhere in her mid-20s, mid to late 20s. So there would have been an age difference of maybe 10, 15 years. And this is why Boaz says, you could have, got, you could have had any man in this town, but you stepped out in faith and approached me. The other thing that I want to share with you is something that, that I mentioned earlier the fact that everybody knows your reputation, Ruth. They know that you are a virtuous woman. I'm going to give you some insight here. This virtuous woman, many believe that Ruth is the Proverbs 31 woman. This is what's so amazing. They, Many have said that the life that Ruth lived, and I don't have time to give you the simulations, and you know what, maybe I'll do that next week. Do you girls want to hear this? I think the Proverbs 31, you girls are like, yeah, we're going through this book, and we want to see it. I will give you some similarities if the Lord leads me next week. I can't promise it, but if the Lord leads me, I'll do that. If not, Nancy will give it to you. I'm throwing work on Nancy. I'm kidding. I'll help Nancy with it. But I want to share this with you. Many believe that this virtuous woman is the same woman. Because when you look at, 
at the time frame that this is, right? Remember, this is the grandfather of who? Of King David. And King David had who? Solomon. And Solomon is the one who wrote what? Proverbs. And so it is believed that Bathsheba would have spoken to King Solomon about Ruth, his grandmother, great-grandmother. And so he wrote the life of Ruth and gave it to us from Proverbs, in Proverbs 31. Because many believe that this King Lemuel is actually King Solomon. And this is what he says. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. And this is exactly what Boaz is saying about her. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Imagine this. A wife that does him good. A wife that, 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 that holds up his arms. A wife that, that is there to, to help him. To be that helper that God has developed for her husband. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. We know, I'm giving you what it is. You know, Ruth. Ruth was a woman that constantly wanted to work. She wasn't there with idle hands. She didn't sit back and just watch TV and the soap operas or the talk shows. She says, you know what? I'm going to go out and work. Not that, you know, we're telling all of you women to work. We're just saying keep your hands busy. Keep your lives busy. Don't be sitting back and watching TV all day. God doesn't work through lazy people, whether you're man, a man or a woman. He expects you to have uh, hands that are willing to work. And this is what she had, right? She's willingly works with her hands. She is like a merchant ship. She brings her food from far off. Remember what Ruth was doing. She always came home with food. Think of it. The, the relationship that you have here between these two. She says, she also rises while it is yet night. And this is what she was doing, right? She gets up at night. She's working constantly and provides food for her household. Constantly working out there, bringing food home. Constantly providing for her household. And a, and a portion for her maidservants. Not forgetting anyone else, but making sure that everyone in that household had food. She considers the field and buys it. From her profit, she plants a vineyard. In other words, she's hardworking. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She is constantly doing something. She is constantly seeking the Lord. She is constantly, whatever she's doing, reading. She's working. Whatever it is, reading the Word. She's doing something. She doesn't have idle hands. She stretches out her hands to the, the staff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the, among the elders of the land. People know her husband. People knew who Boaz was. People knew this. And it says there, for you, as Proverbs 31 women, do people know your husband? And it goes on to say, She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the, for the merchants. 
Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. Understand this. The Proverbs 31 woman will always speak wisdom. Yes, she may fail. But understand this, that there is wisdom that is coming out of her mouth. When she understands the situation, she knows how to address it. And her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Do the children respect you? Do they call you blessed? Or do they say you're this and you're that? And, and you, know what, you're, you know what? Do they honor you even when you discipline them? Her husband also praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all, this Proverbs 31 woman. Charm is deceitful and beauty is, pa- is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hand and let her own works praise her in the gates. This is a Proverbs 31 woman. This is a virtuous woman that we're talking about. And many believe that it is Ruth that is the mirror of this woman that is spoken of here. Whether or not it is for a fact, only God knows. But I can see many similarities as you can also. As we go on to verse 12, it goes on to say, Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that, if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. Boaz is basically saying, you know what? Yes, I'm a close relative, but there's one closer than I. And what he's doing here is he's not refusing the calling, but understand one thing about Boaz. Boaz was always a just man. He was a man of honor, and people respected this man. And he wasn't going to take what didn't belong to him. He says, you know what? I'm not just going to take you. I think you're beautiful. I think that... You're this virtuous woman that I've been praying for and longing for all of my life. I'm not just going to take you. I want to make sure that you truly belong to me. And if you truly belong to me, I'm going to go to the relative that is closer than I. And I'm going to present the situation to him. And if he wants to exercise his right as a kinsman redeemer, then so be it. You belong to him. But if he doesn't exercise that right, I will be glad to do it. It will be an honor for me. To exercise this privilege. And so verse 14 goes on to say. So she lay at his feet until morning. And she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said. Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also he said. Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it he measured six ephahs of barley. And laid it on her. Then she went into the city. I'm going to show this about what's happening here. Boaz is a man of honor. This is a man that, that reveals to us how we as men should be. A man of honor. Men that respect women. Men that are always exercising what is right, what is fair, what is just. Men that love the Lord and that love truth and righteousness. And so what Boaz does here is he's trying to protect the reputation of Ruth. No matter what. 
what he's doing here, just so you know the type of man that Boaz was, Boaz was actually protecting her reputation because he knew that if her reputation was in any way scarred by people knowing that she lied with him, that she was on the threshing floor, that people would, that the closest relative would not want her. He was trusting in the Lord. If he knew that she was already there, you know how word goes out, you know how gossip spreads, all of a sudden things change and it's going to get out. Guess what? There's this Ruth girl, right? She was sleeping with Boaz. And Boaz is coming to you to be the kinsman redeemer? Come on. You want her? He's not going to manipulate the situation to get Ruth. He's going to trust in God and he's going to protect the reputation of Ruth. And so he makes sure that he tells everybody, don't you say to anyone that Ruth was here. And so he tells Ruth, you know that shawl that you had on? I want you to open it up. And you know what he does? He fills it with grain and she leaves home. And then this is verse 16. It goes on to say, and we're going to be closing here. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? This is Naomi asking Ruth, Is that you, my daughter? You know, she's been gone all night, right? And then she told her all that the man had done for her. And Naomi says, I'm sorry, and Ruth says, These six ephahs of barley he gave me. For he said to me, Do not go empty Hand it to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. This is amazing. Naomi is still walking in faith, knowing that Boaz is going to do what he has to do. I know Boaz. And I know his character. And I know the man that he is. And you know what this man is? He will, if he has told you this, he's going to do it. He's not a man that says, I'm going to do something and doesn't do it. He's not a man that says, or a woman that says, yes, I'm going to do it and doesn't follow through. As the Lord tells us in His Word, let your yes be yes and your no's no. That you know that characters are always flawed by, in case you don't know, if you are one that always says, you know what, I'm going to do this, I'm going to follow through with this, and you don't. That you know that your character is really questionable when you do that? People don't trust you. People don't have faith in you. People aren't believing who you say you are. A man of God is going to do what he says. And believe me, I had to learn this because there was times when I'd say things and I wouldn't do it. But when I promise you something, I will do whatever it takes to fulfill it. And my wife has seen this. When I promise things to my kids, I will do it no matter how late it gets, no matter how hard it is, I will follow through. See, understand the principle. When you're faithful in the little things, God will give you more. If you don't show yourself to be faithful, God will not give you more. And what I'm talking about are small promises. I'm talking about ministries. I'm talking about whatever you do. If you aren't faithful to them, you're wondering why things aren't happening. Why aren't things going the way they they should be going? Well, maybe you're not faithful in the little things. How is God going to give you more? How can He trust you if you can't even do the small things? See, this is the principle of being faithful in the small things. And believe me, this is a very difficult thing. When you say you're going to do something, 
You need to purpose in your heart. You need to believe. I mean, you need to make yourself do it. Otherwise, God isn't going to give you more. God can't trust you with more. If you want more, then let us show ourselves to be faithful. When it came to Boaz, Boaz was a man that could be trusted. And Naomi knew this about him. And what we're going to read next week is you will see this man fulfilling his obligation. And you will see this amazing, beautiful story. An amazing, beautiful story of redemption and of love that is unfolding before our eyes. And I love this, right? And I never thought I would get so excited. This is the first time I ever taught the book of Ruth. And it was one of those books where I was even contemplating and thinking to myself, you know what? I'm just going to pass it over, right? The church won't know. I'm still going, going, going by books, right? And, and because I wanted to get into, you know what, into 1 Samuel. But I said, you know what? No, Lord, I ain't going to be committed to what you've asked me to do. Book by book, verse by verse. I don't jump around. There's, and there's nothing wrong with this. Some jump around and say, well, this, you know, once I finish this book, I'm going to go into another book. But they teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But for me, the Lord has purpose in my heart. Just when you started in Genesis, I want you to go through. Okay? And, uh, and, 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 but in the New Testament, I want you to know this. We're not probably going to be jumping from, from uh, Matthew into, into Mark and into Luke because it's, I'm, we're probably going to jump into maybe the book of Acts. And the reason I'm doing that because we're gonna, I want us to, to, to just experience not all of you know, the... The, the, the walk of Jesus, because Matthew gives us a very detailed, detailed uh, 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 life of Jesus. And so we want to get into the book of Acts after that. So I'm just letting you know in case you go back and say, hey, Pastor Tony said that he wasn't going to do this. I'm letting you know what God has already placed in my heart, which is in the New Testament, we're going to jump from Matthew and probably into Acts. We may go back to the book of John after, or we may go back into the book of Luke or go into Luke before we go into Acts. But we're not going to go systematic with the four Gospels. We will cover them, but not systematically, one after another. And so, you know, with this, again, I just want you to know, God honors active faith. And God's power is released in active faith. And active faith is always rewarded, as he said in Hebrews 11, verse 2, for the elders obtained a good testimony because of their faith. And they all had active faith for us to see, for us to learn from, and for us to also exercise. And with that, we're going to close. Lord, we thank you again. Lord, we thank you for your amazing word here. And we thank you for the examples of, of both Ruth and Naomi. And Lord, I thank you for revealing these truths to us. And Lord, may we learn the things that we heard today. May we desire to step out in faith and to do them. And I do want to ask this of those that weren't here last week. But before we do that, I mean, it all begins with faith, with the saving faith. If there's anyone here, first of all, that that may not have faith in God and hasn't surrendered their life to the Lord. Maybe you're in a position where maybe you did at one time and you fell back into the world and you began to practice sin. And you want to commit your life or recommit your life to the Lord. 
This is what is called saving faith, believing in Jesus and who he is and who he says he is. He is God and the fact that he came to die for your sins, that he took your penalty. If this is you and you want to commit or recommit your life to him, you want to surrender your life to him, to start this relationship with Jesus Christ and to allow his power, his might, to allow his transforming power to move you and to change you and to mold you and make you into a glorious image, then I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to surrender their life to the Lord, to commit or recommit, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this? Anybody before we move on? Anyone wanting this? Anyone? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. What I want to give you now is the opportunity for those that weren't here last week. If you want this active faith, active, A-C-T-I-V-E, the faith that these elders had, the faith that Naomi and Ruth had, if you weren't here last week, you don't need to raise your hand, you don't need to stand up. But if you want to walk in in this active faith, I want you to to stand up and we're going to pray for you. Anyone else that wasn't here last week? Stand up and we will pray for you. Anyone else? Anyone else that wasn't here last week? Anyone else? If you're going to stand up, stand up now. Anyone else? Lord, you see these that are standing. Lord, they want to they want to exercise this active faith. Lord, they want to allow your power to be released through them. But somehow they, sometimes they just don't know how to exercise it, when to do it. Lord, as they humble themselves before you now, as they're standing up, I know that you will honor their requests their desire, their choice to be people that are active in their faith. Lord, they want to see your power released through them. They want to experience this, Lord. And Lord, they don't want to have this passive faith that sits back and that waits and, or is that a, one that is fearful, but they want to have one that, that wants to do, that wants to engage, to do something that they would not normally do to believe in something that they normally would not believe in, just like the men and women that we have heard about in the Bible, how you did great miracles, great things and amazing things that blew us away, Lord, and that continue to blow us away. And as we all agree that your miracles are not just for yesterday, but they are for today. And as these people are standing up now, as these people are asking that, your power and your miracles and your might would be shown and revealed in and through them. That they would walk in line with your will. That they would hear your voice and to do these things that they normally wouldn't, these things that they are fearful to do. And I know, Lord, just like you honored the faith of Ruth and Naomi, 
just like you honor my faith, just like you honor other people's faith, just like you honor those that are listed in the Bible. I pray that you will honor their requests today and that they will step out and that you will do mighty works in and through them. We thank you for them. We thank you for their humility. And we know one thing, that you always pour out your favor upon the humble. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we ask this thing in, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.